Hello, my name is Sarah Sloan, and you're listening to The Sarah Sloan Show. Hope you guys feel a cool breeze. Don't know why you would. It's hot outside. Just saying. I'm joined here with my father, and we're going to be discussing the news. But we're not going to be drinking any booze. All right. So, uh, first, for the topic of discussion, there... In New Jersey and New York City, they are going to be requiring COVID-19 vaccines for teachers and state workers. And, you know, it's a really big deal. So the governor of New York, of New Jersey and the mayor of New York City announced it on Monday that they're requiring all school employees to get the COVID vaccine following the FDA's approval of the drug. Oh, yeah, that's another piece of news that the FDA approved. Mm. Um the vaccine and New Jersey will allow those who do not want to take the vaccine, uh, the option of COVID-19 testing as an alternative. So at least they have an alternative. Um, and whenever I heard this news, really kind of what comes to mind is the fact that our schools our public schools are not really a safe place for learning anymore. And, we really can only rely and hope on the few Christian teachers that we have, the few Christian conservative teachers. And those teachers are having a hard time wanting to work anymore because they are being basically pushed out. Mm. So it's Mm. already a place full of indoctrination with tons of liberal teachers, you know, where, for example, they're teaching little kids about porn you know, asking them constantly, this is happening in New York constantly. Are, are you sure that you are a female? Are you sure that you're a male? Mm. Um, exposing them to just all kinds of sexual stuff. And it's constantly happening. So this really, these mandates, I kept on thinking, why are they pushing so hard for this? I don't think they would mind at all to push out every conservative teacher. Why would they want a conservative teacher in their system? It's interesting, you know, it makes you think of, are there some fields that are more and, of course, very less friendly toward Christians? And uh, that may result in Christians flocking to certain fields where they still have a chance, (laughs) uh, where they still can maybe operate based on merit and would not feel singled out with a lot of these policies that may very well violate their consciences. You know, I think traditionally Christians have probably flocked to education and to teaching because um, just a burden for children and wanting to, you know, teaching is a wonderful uh, field. And, you know, and of course, obviously many have a gifting for that, but the way the government has taken over, and in many cases with very a very liberal bent, it has become very unfriendly to them, and they've had to make some very hard choices, and probably each time something like that happens, it weeds out more and more, and which is unfortunate because um, probably a lot of them are very good and effective teachers. That's true. I always ask myself, uh, if you've seen the show, When Calls the Heart, with current issues like this, what would Elizabeth Thornton do? (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, kind of a different situation there. Um, although there was that <coughs> official from the other town in the school district who was putting a little pressure on her, but uh, not quite a woke agenda. Yeah, basically she wanted to teach a blind girl in the school, and he mm -hmm. said that that would be distracting for the other students. Uh, but they ended up winning because all the students were willing, were willing to have the blind girl join the class. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think Elizabeth Thornton would wouldn't probably leave the profession <laughs> as she should. <laughs> yeah, probably she's not quite ready to teach CRT. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, this is definitely going to be a, a big thing. Uh, and then I, I wanted to read this piece of news as well. The governor said the daily number of children hospitalized because of COVID-19 nationwide hit a daily average of 1,234 last week and has tripled in four weeks, citing data for the Department of Health and Human Services. In New Jersey, there are 13 confirmed COVID-19 cases among children and seven possible COVID-19 cases under investigation. Yeah. Those are pretty small numbers. I'm just saying. Oh, those I last agree. two there for the whole state of New Jersey, if you want to repeat those. Oh, the the 13 confirmed COVID-19 cases among the children? Right. And then the seven possible for COVID-19 cases under investigation? Yeah, for the whole state of New Jersey. 20. <laughs> that, this doesn't really impress me with it being a very large number. So Yeah. I, maybe, maybe they were trying. Well, when I hear that, I think, oh, not so bad then. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, one of the um, people that I listened to on a podcast, he... he got the two shots of Moderna, and mm. then now he has COVID. <laughs> mm. Mm. So, Breakthrough. And, of course, all he says is, it would have been a lot worse if I didn't get the vaccine. Right. That's all they say. It's just like, they could get COVID like 40 million times, and they would say, well, it would have been a lot worse if I didn't get the vaccine. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny the way those hypotheticals work. You know, you, you don't really know what would have happened if you, you know, obviously if you don't have the vaccine then you don't know what it would be like if you did have the vaccine and vice versa mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but yeah I, we've seen over and over again these um they like to highlight individuals that were speaking out against vaccine or vaccine he hesitancy as they say <clears throat> and then they there's like a loud cheer when one of them dies of covid yes like, I, yes I, I just see that in the media um it's oh showed him Oh, the, the Texas governor who was against mass mandates, he just got COVID. Mm. Wow. Huh. Well, actually, he was also fully vaccinated, so he had all three <laughs> shots. So, And uh, it lasted four days, and now he's negative again. So. Yeah, so he's fine. Yeah. So. yeah, there might be a lot of cases. Doesn't mean it's really doing much damage, which we should be thanking God for mm -hmm. instead of trying to stoke fear. That's um, right. But to the next topic, Trump had a rally in Alabama, and it was uh, very... Um, well attended? Yes, well attended. That's a great word. And it's so interesting because you think about if Biden had a rally. Mm, mm. You know, how many people would actually be showing up? But <laughs> Trump just, he was on fire, like he always is. Mm. So I just wanted to play um, some of it, and you're going to enjoy <laughs> you know, I met a general 
His name was General Kane. I don't even know. Maybe he's not even on my side. Who the hell knows with these generals? You know, I'm, when I get through with this guy, Millie, I mean, how about Millie? Remember? Remember? Remember when I walked to the church, proudly walked to the church, that the protesters, they tried to burn it down, but I walked to the church, protesters out there, and Millie was walking with me. And the next day, the radical left media starts calling, you shouldn't have walked, you shouldn't have walked. Instead of saying, I'm proud to walk with my president, not because it's me, because of the office. Instead of saying that, he wanted to apologize for walking with the president of the United States. And I said, and I said, this guy doesn't have what it takes. And uh, you're seeing that now because the worst decisions I've ever seen. That's, again, why I put the patent. I just remembered it as I was coming over here. I said, get that clip quickly. The people of Alabama understand that clip. Do you think that? Let me ask you, do you think that General Patton was woke? I don't think so. What do you think, Mike? Mike, was he woke? I don't think so. I don't think he was too woke. He was the exact opposite. You know what woke means? It means you're a loser. Everything woke. Everything woke. It's true. Everything woke turns. Skipped over the password. <laughs> Everything woke turns to poo-poo is basically That's right. what he's saying. Yeah. Did you want to say something? No, you know, I think he even goes on talking about sports and uh, the soccer team and, uh, you know, just how, you know, once once people kind of turn woke, that becomes their focus and then what they're there for becomes secondary and they don't do so well at it. Yeah, we saw that. And then I, I even saw a headline basically saying that it was the – lowest payout for olympic athletes since 2012 Mm. so supposedly we need to increase the wages we need to make sure these athletes are getting paid a lot uh well you did all this woke crap and now look what happened (laughs) (laughs) now you're really not getting paid at all Mm. so uh hopefully it was worth it but highly doubtful you know I, i guess a lot of the motivation for spreading this is to convert others toward it Mm. you know using your position of influence as famous athletes to try to win over others who will say oh wow if they're for it then i guess maybe i should be too and it just seems to be doing the exact opposite you know in fact nobody even wants to watch them you know it's destroying their viewership and uh, people know where they stand and they're not so easily swayed and or impressed by, you know, people who are well-known, whether in sports or Hollywood or whatever. You know, people aren't just saying, oh, wow, that's my hero. I want to be just like them and believe just like they do. <laughs> it's not that many people like that anymore. No. Yeah, obviously that wrestler that was... Uh she was grateful for America mm-hmm. and saying that she loves representing our country. Yeah, I look up to her, mm-hmm. but I don't look up to many athletes. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I don't care that much about sports. Definitely not looking up to Megan Rapino, the purple-haired <laughs> monster. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. 
Hopefully, well, she's probably in her retirement one way or another. Hopefully so. But yeah, let's play some more of Trumpy. Our movement is up against some of the most sinister forces and entrenched interests that anyone can even imagine. But no matter how big our way of life, no matter how big our country or how powerful they may seem, you must never forget this nation does not belong to them. This nation belongs to you. This is your home. This is your heritage. And our magnificent American liberty is your God-given right. The citizens of the United States of America will not be dictated to and talked down to by incompetent politicians, corrupt tyrants, left-wing bullies or socialist bureaucrats in Washington, D.C., a place that I got to know very, very well. We are descended from the heroes and the patriots, the pioneers and the legends who tamed the great wilderness, who settled this vast continent, and who laid down the railroads, raised up the skyscrapers, and poured out their blood, sweat, and tears to build this country into the greatest nation in the history of the world, and we are not going to let it be taken away from us under any circumstances. Our ancestors crushed fascism. Beneath the weight of American tanks, they toppled communism by the strength of American culture. And now we will defeat woke radicalism and a continuation of communism because that's what this is heading for. We will defeat it with the sheer power of American pride and American brain. Our leaders may not believe in the destiny of America. They might not, they may not believe in the destiny of America. I really don't believe in many ways they love our country. But we do, and we are not going to let anybody take that love away. We know that there is no mountain we cannot climb. There is no summit we cannot reach. And there is no challenge we cannot meet. We are Americans, and the future belongs to us. We are going to have a great future. We are going to turn this mess around. This is a horrible thing that's happening to our country. We're left at all over the world. We're not going to be left at anymore. This is a horrible, horrible thing, and it's going to go on for a while, but we've got to end it. We cannot let this happen. They're destroying our country. We will not bend. We will not break. We will not yield. We will never give in. We will never give up. We will never back down. We will never, ever surrender. So good. Mm-hmm. Kind of, yeah, makes you wonder, do you think he's going to run? Do you think he's going to run again in 20, for 2024? I, I would say yes, you know, from all I'm seeing. I'm trying to think if I heard somewhere that if he kind of put out a condition, if we would 
regain Congress, and I don't know if that means one or both houses, but um, yeah, it may be that which it'll either be they may go together in a sense. You know, the Senate is, of course, so close, it's uh, 50-50. Obviously, yeah, they've got the majority with Kamala. But, um, and the House is closer than ever, just because of the gains from the last one, the 15 that he mentioned. So, I could see, um, you know, it wouldn't take much to turn it in both in both the House and the Senate. So, you know, we've had our debate as to <laughs> if he would be the best candidate, but I would tend to say if he runs, others will step aside and he will be the, the candidate. Uh, I just don't see somebody defeating him in a primary. So. There, you could just see that there's... Everybody thinks that, oh, they'll kind of get sick of Trump. Oh, mm-hmm. the people will stop caring. It just doesn't ever mm-hmm. seem to end. Mm-hmm. It's like, and it's not, yes, it's love. We like him, but it's not really him. It's it's what he did. Mm-hmm. And it's the work that he did. That's what we care about. It's really not all about his personality. I like mm-hmm. his personality. It's a plus for me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just, you just, you, the world was a better place when he was president. You know, compared to the others who could run, he is a proven quantity. Especially now. I keep on thinking, okay, he was president. And to be honest with you, I think that if he had just had four years afterwards, I think it would have been good, but I think it will be so much better if he can win after losing Mm -hmm. to Biden. Mm -hmm. Well, he didn't really lose, but we know. Mm -hmm. Um, But having to see four years of Biden... Imagine how much more impactful. I think he could be quadruple mm. uh, impactful, you know. Well, there's so much more that's been brought to light, you know. Obviously, even in his first term, uh, you know, he started out pretty much in the dark and learned a lot during those four years. And if he would have gone into the second term immediately, you know, he would have obviously benefited from those four years of what he had learned. But now it's all been made, you know, clear in these four years. Um, the greatest questions are whether we can survive them. Um, but in a sense, it really is the two years because I, I believe in the midterms there'll be at least one of the houses will turn, if not both, and that will shut down any more of the terrible uh, things they want to do. It, you know, be two years of stalemate, which we've seen a lot of that in the past. Um, but anyway, yeah, it. I agree with you. It would be tremendous, and there'd be such clarity um, of what needs to be done, what needs to be cleaned up. It, it would be all at war, you know, and of course, hatred for Trump in spite of all that is happening even now with the Biden administration, those that hate Trump, um, I would feel like their hatred has not diminished or would not diminish. And so, um, yeah, the only thing you can compare it to is our love for him. So, And, you know, again, there's always the people that accuse us of worshiping him. I, um, I don't believe it's that I, I'd be happy to see others 
um, you know, strong conservatives, but I do have to admit that Trump is a proven quantity and he has had the experience of the four years as well as the experience gained in observing um, all this and having been the victim of um, the fraud, which he really harped on quite a bit in his speech. Let's be honest. He talked about, um, yeah, he, he gave a lot of interesting uh, tidbits there. Like he said, he was told if he did, if he gained 1 million votes more than he did in 2016, he would win. And he gained 12, 12 million more. <laughs> so there's just, uh, you know, all the um, particular counties that always determine who wins, and he, 18 and 19 or whatever it was uh, that he won. And, you know, all the um, victories in the House and Senate uh, even, while well, no Republican incumbent lost. <laughs> you know, everything that you would expect to accompany a presidential victory, and yet it didn't happen. So, um, yeah, and, and that, that really remains the number one issue in battle that we are facing. And I, I showed you an article the other day about how they were trying to slip through the HR1 again. 3.30 in the morning. Yeah, the H.R. 1 is the election reform bill mm -hmm. for the People Act. Um, yeah, that really just totally delegitimizes all elections and voting processes. and yeah. Legalizes fraud. Yeah, basically. So, mm -hmm. yeah, they tried to, yeah, they tried to slip that through in the Senate at 3.30 a.m. Mm -hmm. And if it wasn't for Senator Ted Cruz objecting it, it would have gotten through. So, obviously, that's not going to be the last time they try. No. Nah. And, uh, you know, that really is their greatest hope. And, um, you know, it'd be interesting because obviously there'd be, I would think there'd be a Supreme Court challenge on that because it's so clear in the Constitution that it's left to the states and it violates that. But nonetheless, they would, boy, if they could slip that through right before the midterms, they would use that thing uh, with all the insidious um, provisions and just uh, run rampant in their fraud, which they uh, keep getting better at, <laughs> I would say worse. But um, we need to pray. Definitely. So Senator Cinema, she, um, we've talked about this bill before, but they have, or, sorry, budget resolution before. It's a $3.5 trillion budget resolution. And Senator Cinema, she is a, Democrat from Arizona, and she is typically one of the two. Joe Manchin is the other uh, that are usually on the fence, and so they sometimes will go with the Republicans. So she is opposing this three point five trillion dollar budget resolution that we've spoken on, and it's Bernie Sanders, a lot of his ideas of socialism inside of it. So, and then also just just the price tag alone should tell you it's not good. Um, they already have the bipartisan $1.2 trillion by, uh, infrastructure package. And so she is just saying that she believes it's too pricey. Um, she was also one of the ones that had helped negotiate the $1.2 trillion infrastructure package. And um, she was, yeah, she was calling on Nancy Pelosi, the speaker, um, to pass the infrastructure bill on its own and not force a vote on the costly $3.5 trillion budget resolution. 
And there were also, there were a lot of other Democrats that told Pelosi that they don't want to go with it, that they're not for how much it is. They think that the 1.2 is enough, which is Mm. uh, really crazy. So Pelosi told her caucus that the majority of their party members want to pass both bills, and that's why she's going to hold a vote for both spending bills. We must not squander our congressional democratic majorities and jeopardize the once-in-a-generation opportunity to create historic change to meet the needs of working families. Golly. Boy. Yeah, and then um, Joe Manchin, the Democrat uh, from West Virginia, he said that he is seriously concerned about injecting more stimulus money into the economy since economic recovery is showing that more stimulus won't help fill jobs, which I could have told you that. Mm. I'm no expert. Um, the challenge we now face, this is a quote from him, the challenge we now face is different. Millions of jobs remain unfilled across the country and rising inflation rates are now an unavoidable tax on the wages and income of every American, which is so true. Okay, everything costs more and you're getting paid the same. Or maybe you did get a little pay bump. But if everything costs more, it doesn't really matter. Mm. <laughs> Given the current state of economic recovery, it is simply irresponsible to continue spending at levels suited to respond to a great dep- depression or great recession. So at least nine Democrats share Manchin and Cinema's view. And a group of moderates sent Pelosi a letter on August 12th in which they called the infrastructure bill a bipartisan victory for our nation and rejected a two-track vote r- approach. So this is what the letter said. We will not consider voting for a budget resolution until the Bipartisan Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act passes the House and is signed into law. So, yeah, these are Democrats from all over the country. And uh, basically her response was she just called it amateur hour. Mm. (laughs) So uh, she doesn't really care what they have to say. But, yeah, this hopefully this does not pass. It would just be more taxpayer dollars being spent on what we see usually it's it's nothing good if they give money to something it's it's never to what they promise and even if it was that wouldn't even be good mm. just look at everything that they do they it never seems to go where they promise it's going to go it just never does so they there's they specialize at getting the least for the most money and uh they just you know, throw huge amounts of money and accomplish almost nothing. You know, if it was privately done, it could accomplish so much more. Really, it's just going way beyond the scope of government. And, you know, if you don't need any other reason, it's just the, the huge debt that we already have. You know, I guess only those who believe that debt doesn't matter would support something like this. Um, debt does matter. Um, look at Greece and Iceland. Yeah, yeah, and they've been very affected. And mm-hmm. if you go there, it's really not very beautiful. <laughs> you know, they've both faced bankruptcy and have come out of it. But um, you're just so limited in what you can do because you've forced yourself to live on such a margin. And and the thing is, it it really doesn't have to be this way. We really didn't have to be a country that is trillions and trillions of dollars in debt. Mm-hmm. We did it to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's the biggest shame of it all. It is one lie after another. One, you know, bill that they sold us after another that we fell for. And you look back and see, did we really need that? Did that really make a difference? 
And in every single case, the answer is no. No. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, so Jen Saki is the last thing we're going to talk about. Um, she it got pretty uh, testy with the Ducey, the Fox News reporter, about their, his questions uh, about Afghanistan. So I thought I'd play it because it was kind of interesting. This is not their first bout. <laughs> no, yeah, they always have their Ducey dues. <laughs> There are Taliban fighters right now carrying American weapons. They're wearing American fatigues, the full kit of gear. How is that advancing America's national security interests? Well, Peter, I think my or my colleague Jake Sullivan spoke to a version of this uh, last week. Um, but let me tell you, uh, let me reiterate some of what he said. Uh, when the president made this decision uh, to bring our men and women home from Afghanistan who were serving, uh, he knew uh, he made that decision not lightly. He made the decision uh, with a clear assessment from his national security team about what the impacts could be. We have taken steps over the past few months to retrograde materials, to bring materials home, to make them not available uh, to the Taliban. We have taken those steps from our military. But our, our uh, choices at hand, the President's choices at hand, were either to equip the Afghan National Security Forces with the materials and the equipment and the weapons they needed to fight or not. He made the decision to equip them with the weapons to fight. And we will continue to take steps to retrograde our materials and equipment. But does the president have a sense that most of the criticism is not of leaving Afghanistan, it's the way that he has ordered it to happen, by pulling the troops before getting these Americans who are now stranded? Does he have a sense of that? First of all, I think it's irresponsible to say Americans are stranded. They are not. We are committed to bringing Americans who want to come home home. We are in touch with them via phone, via text, via email, via any way that we can possibly reach Americans to get them home if they want to return home. There are no Americans stranded is the White House's official position on what's happening in Afghanistan right I'm now. I'm just calling you out for saying that we are stranding Americans in Afghanistan when I said when we have been very clear that we are not leaving Americans who want to return home. We are going to bring them home. And I think that's important for the American public to hear and understand. Okay, and then following up on what somebody asked, Jake, the president likes to say America is back. But I, his policies have Americans getting beat up by the Taliban and Afghans handing babies over barbed wire fences. Is that what he meant when he said America is back? What the president meant is that we are going to continue to lead in the world, including being the leaders in evacuating not just our Afghan partners, not just American citizens, but now also our allies. And we have done that by evacuating approximately 42,000 people over the last month. That is Americans leading. That is our men and women in our military leading on the ground, securing the airport after the Afghans fleed and didn't secure the airport, and ensuring that we are taking care of our partners as we promised to. Go ahead. More broadly, the president uh, was asked about the polling. Uh, I'm going to ask you about sure. it now. Would you acknowledge this has been a particularly challenging period for the president? There have been questions about his decision making among some Americans reflected in some of the polls. Well, I would say that, uh, as the president said yesterday, but let me try to answer your question again. Uh, his focus right now is on taking the steps and making the decisions that he feels are in the interests of our national security and the American people. And that may mean uh, that there are chaotic scenes. That may mean that there are people disapproving of his decisions. He understands that and accepts that. But he also believes, if you look at the work of his team, and I know this question was asked earlier, that the test of competence and of leadership is not about how you operate on your best day. 
It's about how you operate when the chips are down, when things are difficult, when you need to adapt and make decisions. And that's what we've seen over the last week. That's what we've seen the men and women in the military do. That's what we've seen our national security team do. A week ago, oh, just over a week ago, we didn't have control over the airport. Now we've evacuated 35, 37,000 people. That is American leadership, and that is certainly competence of his team. But certainly we understand that people are seeing uh, chaotic uh, photos, but he continues to believe that this was a decision that only the commander-in-chief is, is able to make and one he had to make for our own long-term national security interests. Yeah. So. Mm. She moved on pretty quick from Peter Ducey there. But. Oh, yeah, she was getting testy. <laughs> um, yeah, which that didn't make any sense. So he was just like, okay, well, they are left stranded. And she's like, no, they are not stranded. So he's like, okay, so then you're picking up every single, like you're going to get all of them. Versus I heard today someone from the administration saying, we don't even know how many Americans are there. Mm. So don't come with this. We were contacting them via like text and via like Morse code and via like, um, I don't know, like drawing in the sand and via like uh, playing a game of telephone with your friends at a sleepover. Yeah. What are they contacting them for? Come to the airport. And we heard recently they told them don't come to the airport. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, you could say they're not stranded. Uh, well, currently they are stranded. Hopefully the f in the future they won't be remain stranded, but right now they're stranded. I, I just, oh man, I, would, I wouldn't love this, but I would love just to at least see just how they would react, Jen Psaki, Joe mm. Biden, just for a minute, just to mm. be in their position. Mm. How those people feel in Afghanistan, the Americans. They would flip out. Mm. And they're like, well, they were told they could come back. They were told months ago. Uh, you're you're going to tell me things have changed. Um, you know, just even in the past few days, things were a little mm. different months ago. Like, uh, <laughs> This unraveled quicker than we thought it would. That's what Joe Biden said. So he had no clue it was going to play out like this. Yet you have to, yet you're going to say, that they oh, they known. were so stupid to mm -hmm. not have known that it was going to be like this. No, that... How would they have known? And yeah. also, they're they're Americans. They're not your enemies that mm. you just talk bad about. They were fighting for your freedom to protect us from having another nine eleven. Mm. So we should have their backs. And you know why did we have to move so quickly? Um, and you know so that it all unraveled way too quickly like this. You know, it there could have been a plan. You know, we're step by step. We at least gave them all warning. Now is the time to get out if you want to be, have a chance to get out. That was never done for any of them. Yeah, they said, oh, they could have gone. Yeah, sure, they could have gone. But there was no warning that, it, you know, this is urgent and impending and you need to get out now. It never was anything like that ever said to them. Oh, no, not at all. Um, yeah, so... Let's just go to a verse. Um, Job 4, or sorry, 6, 11. What strength do I have that I should hope? And what is my end that I should prolong my life? Is my strength the strength of stones? Or is my flesh bronze? Is not, or sorry, is my help not within me? 
and is success driven from me. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, he's he's obviously Job is in a, you know, terrible state and feeling really just like left behind by God, neglected by God. And he's he's frustrated with God and um God is hearing him and everything he says. And so, yeah, he's just speaking just like and I think that yeah, he's in a different situation than maybe I might be or you might be. But that it is such an accurate thing to say. What strength do I have that I should hope? Like, we can't rely on ourselves. Mm. Um, everything that, that is good comes from God. And, yeah, what, what is our source? Um, yeah, a lot of people, they rely on a lot of things for their strength. You know, maybe it's their own body. Maybe it's their brain, um, muscles. Their money. Their money. There's a lot. But at the end of the day... That stuff can be stripped away from you in seconds. And it was for Job. Mm. It was stripped away. And in the end, of course, he was completely restored and actually double. Mm. But in, in the moment when you don't have anything, all you have is God, which is more than enough. You know, he had the double thing that happened, which was, of course, losing everything of property and family. And then came the physical uh, affliction. And I was just thinking how that might relate to Americans in Afghanistan, you know, feeling they have no more strength or everything they had relied on, even their own country, yeah. you know, is seems to be no longer there for them. And, you know, their freedom, their way to get out, their future, their hope, all, all would seem to have been taken away. You know, what strength do you have when you're operating against um an invading force like the Taliban and you're completely overwhelmed. So that's a time to cry out to God. And we do see, you know, some reasons for hope and some good things happening. Do you see? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, he's just a reporter. <laughs> also the governor of Arizona has that same name, I believe. Yeah, he does. He does. Yeah. But anyway, God is the source, and we need to look to him in the best and in the worst of times. And uh, instead of relying on our own uh, strength. Amen to that. Yeah, and, and we need to pray about all these stories that we discussed, because mm -hmm. we can't do much about it other than pray. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, okay, maybe you can call your senators and stuff, that's cool. Um, but sometimes they don't give a flip what you have to say, <laughs> but God does. And God is the strongest advocate. I've been praying um, that they feel conviction in their hearts, mm -hmm. that they feel uncomfortable when they make bad decisions, but they feel really good when they make good decisions. Mm -hmm. That's what I've been praying. It's a very basic prayer, but I think that that, that could really make a huge difference. Mm -hmm. That they were just like, ugh, I want to throw up. I just made a terrible decision. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> it should be rightfully shame yeah you know that i was elected or hired to serve the people and i've messed up and this is not what i wanted i didn't want it to turn out this way yeah you know and then that can hopefully lead to humility and repentance yeah amen to that well guys i hope you enjoyed the show you learned a lot made some friends no enemies Hope you have a great day. Goodbye.
Voy a tener que traer.